Hey, it's Stoner. It is great to be back. Season two. Uh, I'm here with Gia Tolentino from The New Yorker, uh, a writer I very much admire. You can get in touch with us. Hi at stoner.co. Here's the show. Welcome, Gia Tolentino. Thanks for having me. So you're also an interviewer. Yes. Do and you also smoke weed. I love weed. <laughs> um, do you ever do you ever smoke weed before you do an interview? No. So that's my that's my line. Like I have a pretty hard line. I will. I work a lot at night, and if I'm working at night, I would say like half of the time I've smoked a little weed. Yeah. Um, if I'm working like really late, especially, but I will not go report anything while high, and I would never engage in a sort of transaction where I'm trying to get precise information mm. from somebody and pick up very closely on the nuances of what they're saying. High, like I would go to a show and review it high for sure, like, like listening to an album or something. But anything involving interpersonal interaction, I feel like I'm a bad um, partner, like conversational partner. Yeah. Um, but. I think weed and like certain things can get me through certain roadblocks uh, in writing really well. Yeah. Uh, but not through it, not in interviewing. <laughs> it could only make it worse, I think, for me. So what's like, you, you write for The New Yorker. I write for The New Yorker. Um, what's your daily routine like? Because um, you're publishing, you're not like doing like six monthly New Yorker stories. You're publishing pretty closely to the news cycle. Yeah. So I was on contract last year to write twice a week, like two blogs a week. Everything on The New Yorker's website is like 1,200 words. So it's a pretty clean yeah. format. Um, I'm also trying to write a book and I'm trying to write print features. So it's all over the map, but I work at home yeah. except for when I go in for meetings like most writers do there. And so I can I can kind of figure out whatever I want the day to look like. But when I'm stressed, I work more at night, which is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but it's not. Um, I'll find myself being like all day. I'll be like, my brain is bad. My brain is bad. And then everyone will go to sleep and I'll be like, finally, now I can think. And I, that's such a, it's not a good way for me to work, but I've been doing it more lately. Do you smoke weed throughout the day, only at night? What's your pattern like? I like smoking while writing sometimes because it like re-emotionally invests me. I get re-emotionally invested in whatever I'm writing and like sometimes can like deepen and kind of push out like an overly tight or locked thought. But if I do it in the day, I'll get really emotionally invested in whatever I'm doing. Then I'll get tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't day smoke. When I used to work at Gawker, I would smoke at lunch on Fridays and then go in. And that was like my treat. But even then, I didn't like doing that because at Gawker, I was an editor there. And if something bad, I was always afraid that news would break while I was high and it'd be bad news. You know, which happened a couple of times and it was fine, but I'm just, I would never want to me to mess up a detail because I wanted to like smoke and walk in the park to work, you know? All right. I want to go back to where, where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. my, my I want to go, I want to go back journey. to, to your, to, to your first, uh, your first experiences. Uh, when was the first time you smoked weed? The first time I smoked weed, it was sometime in high school and I didn't like it because this was like, this was Houston in the early 2000s where I, I don't know if it was my friends. I, and it was definitely the city. It was par partly the way my friends hooked into the social network of the city. Um, but the drugs were, like, really intense. Like, it was – I'm pretty sure the first time I smoked weed, there was, like, Vicodin sprinkled on it. And I don't like pills. Um, and and while, after I learned to like weed, 
in college or like learned to smoke it. I came back and there was definitely like PCP weed in Houston. And like, that's just nothing I ever want to touch again in my life. Like it was horrifying for me. Um, but so the first time I smoked weed, it was in high school and I was like, I don't get it. Weed is gross. <laughs> what, what kind of a high schooler were you? It was a private evangelical high school attached to the second biggest mega church in America. Okay. Yeah. What kind of like attitudes did your parents have towards smoking weed? So my dad was a huge stoner growing up. My mom, they both like are pretty straight edge. Like they don't really, my mom never drinks and like never touched drugs. My dad was a stoner in high school. They don't smoke now, or he doesn't smoke now. Um, I think they were pretty, they were pretty, my mom for a while made it very clear. She thought I was ruining my brain by smoking, which is arguably true. Yes. You know, like honestly, um, but you know, they never, they didn't keep a close watch on me in high school. They trusted, they tr- I was, I was really independent. They let me be independent. They weren't breathing down my neck about anything. So they were, you know, I think she would have rathered I not. My dad was like, whatever, you're in high school. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what was the first time you had like a positive experience smoking weed? So, okay. So my best friend in college was this guy, the only person whose DMs I've ever slid into in my life. Wow. Yeah. Like, and, it, and he became my best friend, which is like, maybe I should have done it more often. I think actually the wow for me there was realizing how much younger than you are. I was like, DMs Oh, it college? wasn't. It was Facebook. It was <laughs> Facebook. Facebook. It was like okay. the first year of Facebook. Right? Okay, okay, like, okay, um, okay. And yeah. we were at EVA. Yeah. And so the reason why, so this was like the Facebook where you could, you had like a, a thing for your likes and you could yeah. like click on a like and it would show you all the people. Yes, I remember this. And so our likes were Cigarose and Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, so this guy's like got to be my best friend. Yeah. And so I messaged him and we like started talking over the summer and we met like the first day of school, like immediately became best friends. Um, and we're still close now. And he was like, do you like weed? And I was like, I don't like weed. And he was like, I bet you like weed. And and he was like a, and he actually like he stopped smoking weed pretty soon after that. But um, he was like, I know you like weed and like showed me how to smoke. And I liked it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like college. Like we, I mean, my freshman year of college, I straight up, I gained like 25 pounds. Like I ate like five meals a day. Like we got high all, you know, we got, we got high and went to class together. Like watched the same episode of Awesome Town over. It was like a montage of like, you know, like we are best friends and in college. Like it was like. That was the first time I've ever heard someone refer to Awesome Town in a conversation. It, that was so, I mean, Austin was amazing. That was, was that was that the low, the, the very shortly, short lived, lonely. I think that show was only odd for like four episodes. Yeah. And <laughs> did you watch it though? Well, uh, Lonely Island are from Berkeley. So, like, oh. they were like, those were like guys from my high school getting famous. There was like a lot awesome of. Awesome Town is incredible. Pretty much funny. like every young man from my high school who'd ever like thought to get involved in like comedy or entertainment was like intensely envious during that period, which is, I think, the only reason. I that bet I've seen because it's because awesome it's Town. like openly stupid. It's like so. But awesome Town is so funny. I like, I stand by that. It's incredibly funny. They had this parody of the OC called The Boo. And like the and they had like a good Charlotte parody song. Like it was like the beginning of their like incredible, you know, like they were dead on with the musical pop parodies. Um, yeah. So I liked weed as soon as I was like not smoking it in like very weird high school party environments. Yeah. where, You know, like with people I didn't who's like substance behavior. I wasn't on exactly on the right track, same track with. Um, and and then it, that was the end for me. <laughs> <laughs> And then solidly since then. Yeah. Um, 
What was like the what was the weed culture? You went to UVA, right? Went to UVA. You were in a sorority. I was in a sorority. Yeah. It's really high. What what what? what you can, made... can you picture it? <laughs> um, it's a little like I was told to be very anti like sorority and yeah. fratr- I like I grew up um like I did not grow up woke. But yeah. I grew up around people who like were forcing like woke like ideology on me as a mm-hmm. child. So I was very like anti fraternity yeah, and sorority. Yeah, they weren't cool. Yeah, and it was like it was just like a weird like like hippie generation. Like, yeah. why would anyone sort of? I mean, I think that, that Well, so I this was I'm in a sorority ultimately because I'm from Texas, and it was like. But this is like the thing. So this is like a major theme in my life that like I will be like, oh, I'm gonna get high and do this as a joke, and then end up liking it, which yes. is like been the you know an embarrassingly large lever in my decision making like I was a freshman and actually me and this friend of mine like he he was like should we because we were freshmen and we were like here's a way to go to like amazing parties for free for a month like UVA like at certain frats if you made it far enough in rush like they would fly you to Vegas you know like wow or maybe not I think one of the frats did that they would definitely take you to Atlantic City you know like it was so we were like, why not? And we were just trying to like hang out. And so I was like, yeah, this will be really funny for me to like get high and like be, it'll be like an, it was like this early journalist, like yeah. it will be like an anthrop- anthropological experiment. I'll just get high and pretend that like I was going around to every house being like, oh my God, I'm from Boston, you know, just fucking with people. So you had like that kind of consciousness, like as like an 18 year old, that yeah. that could be like a joke. Cause like for and me, I was 16 if too, I had like, part of it. if, oh, why you were 16. Yeah. Okay. See for me, if I had been like joking about being in a frat, there would have been no divide in my ego between that person. Like I would have instantly just become whatever well, person and that, that wasn't, that was, I think I kind of did. Cause yeah. I joined, you know, <laughs> like I think, I think, I mean, I also, Part of I think this is part of the reason I smoke too is like I'm very hard to make uncomfortable, like actually uncomfortable, and I like. I mean, like weed makes me a little more excitable in a way that's like a good form of anxiety. Like it keeps me on my toes a little bit in a way that I find psychically useful because I have such like deeply buried coping mechanisms that I never find anything weird or bad. So I'm always like trying to just get a little bit more on edge, which sounds weird. And it also I think weed turns like the bad subconscious anxiety into like good conscious excitement kind of. Yeah, I can see that, you know. Um, And so I was always like I was like, this will be like this sounds bad, but funny, you know. Yeah. And so I did that. Like I was like, you, you know, got like smoked with Derek and then, you know, went to went to this like big sorority process and there was one house that I really liked and I was like okay I guess I'm serious about this now but um we there wasn't I don't think weed was that cool at UV I mean I don't think like weed's that cool like it's like weed's like embarrassing it's definitely not cool. like, weed is super uncool and it wasn't um very cool at UVA I mean like I it was always like I lived with the same three guys and three girls for two years in college. And, you know, at like our house parties, people would always be like throwing the door up into my room and be like, ew, it smells like weed in here, you know? Um, And so, and I, and we lived in dorms first year. So like me and my friend would always be like smoking in the graveyard and like always afraid that like we were going to get caught and in trouble, but we never really did. Wait, why were you in college when you were 16? So I grew, I was born in Canada and I, started like the school cutoff thing is different it's like December instead of August I was born in November so I was already like young by one grade then I moved to Texas when I was four 
and my parents were like, she's gifted. She should be in first grade. I was writing about this today, and I was like, I, it was an interesting decision. So I started first grade when I was four. Yeah. I just kept on. A lot of the people that I, I went to college with weren't, like, aiming to, like, do exactly what you do, but they were, like, people who wanted to, like, move to New York and, like, mm. get into the publishing world, basically. Yeah. That was kind of like a common default way of living. And I'm, I'm guessing that being at a sorority at UVA, your career path was not, like, where everyone was going. Like, yeah. what made you veer? Or, like, what, what, what made you become the person you are now versus the million of other places you can go from a UVA sorority? Well, I would say, so I wasn't like the sorority thing. I mean, I barely, I was a very, I was like a deadbeat member that they, um, in the same way that like all my girlfriends from Texas, like I'm like the deadbeat member of that group. It's funny because if you had just never referred to this, you would never have to answer questions about being in a sorority again. (laughs) But now you're going to be like answering questions about being in a sorority. You knew that. It was, I I got it figured it out through Google research. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Shit. Um, I I wasn't like I barely did anything in the Greek system at UVA. I just yeah. kind of I knew that I wanted to like as soon as I got in it and I was like okay, I guess I was always on the brink of dropping out because it was expensive. Like I had to like pay dues, but I was interested. Someone's got to pay for those freshmen to go to Vegas. Oh, it's wild. Well, the thing is sororities can't even sororities scheme. can't even throw parties and and I think I mean the biggest thing the like a huge lever that schools could pull that would sharply decrease sexual assault rates is to allow sororities to throw parties because um, frats are the only place where a lot of underage kids can drink and that makes everybody have to this makes all these underage people all these girls have to drink like 30 seconds away from somebody's bedroom like it sororities can't throw parties like the whole the way the system was set up is very sexist and it bothered me um so it wasn't like I did a lot of things from there like I I'm like a I've been like a like a I also was like in an acapella group. Like I'm like a fake joiner, you know, like I'll do whatever. I'll do anything. Are you fake joining I'm the New fake... Yorker right now? Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Shit. Oh God. Right. It's like, wouldn't this be funny? Yeah. <laughs> and then I do it for the rest of my life. I think I'd be, I think I'm sort of like I, um, a fake joiner kind of scares me a little. Like I wouldn't I like people are in relationship with you. Or are they worried that you're like fake joining? I know. Well, <laughs> I know. It's like, wouldn't this be funny if I did this and then it lasts? Um, like it's it's a major factor into me getting this like fluke job at the New Yorker that I never was smart enough to try to angle for it. Right. You know, like I, I ended up I like because I was in a sorority, I ended up being able to like write about the UVA rape piece, you know, yes. in a way that like like I think my desire to keep putting myself in situations where the appeal is not obvious, like dovetailed with me like not making career decisions in a way that was much better for my writing than otherwise. Well, it seems like you write about stuff that you're interested in and sometimes that stuff ends up dovetailing with like a, the national conversation. Yeah. And then sometimes it doesn't like I was looking back into your, um, I guess it was Jezebel archive probably. Mm-hmm. And you had a piece where you went to like this women's cannabis summit. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, like it's kind of ahead of its time. Cause like I've read like 9,000 articles in like Inc magazine about like, women cannabis entrepreneurship now it's hard to make Uh, that kind of piece interesting though um yeah well and it's also kind of yeah i'm I'm interested in what you think about all that stuff now but it it does seem like um most of the way that you've gotten where you've gotten has been fought by following interests that didn't necessarily um have like a professional angle oh yeah there's not it's not like the new york's gonna be like we're commissioning a feature about the like denver women's cannabis co on the strength of your piece like these are kind of niche like topics. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I and I think like I don't know. It seemed to me like being in college when I was in college, it sort of made me feel. I mean, I still feel like this, that there's no possible way to forecast what will be a good career move. Yeah. And it also seems so unfulfilling to do that while the industry is like constantly on the verge of collapse. You know, I mean, and so I think it occurred to me in college that the only possible fun I could have is just following little in, like following whims as intensely as I could. And that is the only way that I felt like I could consistently count on fulfillment and I think that's true still. I mean, not it's not to say that it like like now I'm I mean, I I'm gonna write a book. Like I'm I'm trying to be more conscious about what I'm doing because it's about time. But but I think I don't know, like I think the pleasure principle, just like what will be fun in a hard way has been like the only, yeah, like through line in what I've written. How was how were you regarded as a person who smoked a lot of weed during those two different times in your life? What do you mean? How like what, by like you? did when you were like a freelancer? Did you, did you feel like oh like people are looking down on me for all this weed smoking? And then now that you're kind of entering this like super grown up world, how do you regard it? Well, I don't know. So the, the issue of self presentation <laughs> in the age of social media yes is one that I cannot think about without you know, wanting to cut my head off. Absolutely. You know, so my answer is sort of like, I mean, I did think about it. So I was like in the Peace Corps for a while after college because I was like, I could never get it. I mean, I wanted to do the Peace Corps. Where are you in the Peace Corps? Kyrgyzstan. And I was, I mean, this is part of like, I graduated two years early, basically. So I was like, what's a two-year thing that I can do, you know, and like, I won't lose any time, basically. And so I did that. And and then I, I like didn't get on Twitter till like 2012. Um because I, I was off the internet for like all of 2010, which seems like what a, like what a gift. And the whole time I was like, I want to get on the internet and email my boyfriend, but like, I how could like, I wish you're off I'd... the internet because you were in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, there was no internet. I mean, you had to take a bus to like a capital city and use an internet cafe with a bunch of like gamer Russian tweens. Like it was rough. Um, but so when I got on Twitter, I was in grad school. And I hadn't started working at the Hairpin, which I got hired there like in 2013, I think, or 20, I don't remember. But I, I didn't really, I slid really like ass backwards into media and writing and like, and and was working at blogs where there was no mandate to take yourself seriously. I mean, up till the New Yorker, like the Gawker, there was definitely no mandate about appearing like a serious person at all. Um, so that helped me with a goal that I have generally, which is to never think about how I'm coming off, mm. except to the people that I am close to. Right. You know, like I care. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like I care a lot about how people I know, what people I know think about me. I don't think any of them would think it's weird that I smoke weed. Um, and at this point, like my parents, like don't care. I hope they don't care. Um and if it makes me seem unprofessional, which it probably does, I don't know. Like, I just sort of can't think about how I come off or else I'll go crazy. So I ha so the answer is I haven't thought about it. But being a woman who writes on the Internet, yeah. you are constantly exposed to the what opinions of what people who don't know you think about you. Um, like, how what, what is your strategy for not giving a shit about that? Well, luckily, it's built into my temperament, you yeah. know, like like I've always been like that. It's like I, I do really care what a, what a certain set of people think. But I just sort of 
I don't understand how, like, if it's like if you start caring what one stranger thinks about you, then you have yep. to start caring what all of them think about you. And it doesn't seem like our brains are set up to handle that well. And I think it was sort of like, like, I, I've also, I think I just kind of forced myself a long time ago to, to like, get rid of that cognitive dissonance and be like, you're just never going to think about this. Yeah. I mean, Gawker is also really good training for not caring what other people think about you. Like people would always be like, hey, I thought this thing that this site you don't work for, like this other vertical published was super shitty. And I was like, sure. You know, like that's totally legit of you to think that it's none of my business. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and it was like editing women's media too. Like I would edit all these personal essays and people would commenters would be like, well, I'm not sure I would have done what that writer did. And I was like, well, yeah, of course you wouldn't. Because yeah. if you did, you'd be her and you'd write that essay. Like, I have a chip missing that allows me to, like, understand why, like, people being, like, I identify or don't with your lifestyle, like, would really matter to me. Right. You know, so I think, I mean, I think it's, like, partly just me forcing the blinders on. But, you know, I would never, like, go into the office high. I would never, like, I would never do anything where precision is really necessary. You know, I would never like, I'm very careful to, like I'm I'm pretty loose in my personal life, but I'm very careful to like, to never let it actually affect the quality of my work. Yeah. And so, and I feel pretty confident in being able to judge that. And so part of that is like, I feel like there's nothing, like the judgment can only be on my personal life, which who cares, you know? what what is it like personally like having like been like into weed as a college student and now you're like doing the quasi grown up weed thing that's that's what i consider it my own weed is like the quasi grown up yeah yeah like, like i'm not getting like it. i'm not getting like dead stoned and like yeah. losing my mind yeah, yeah like what like i haven't like, lost my composure in like yeah, what's 3 years your, <laughs> yeah what's your like um what's your present day like relationship to, to weed? weed like what kind of experience do you have um i would say i would say i smoke like four times a week like you know at 11:30 to 12:30 um or you know maybe like let's say like 9:30 to midnight or somewhere in that area either when and it's usually when I'm like either it's like I'm settling down to read something or I'm working yeah um and then like on weekends like it, like if I'm going out then I'll smoke whenever do you like to smoke with other people or are you mostly solitary yeah if I'm like hanging out with my girlfriends if, like I'm ha- if I'm hanging yep. out at somebody's house or if I'm at a party like I'll definitely always smoke um, but it's always, it's pretty like, it's, it is really different from, from college in a good way. <laughs> like, I think it'd be really bad if I was, I mean, one of a while ago, one of my friends, we were at her house for Christmas and we discovered her college bong and we were like, oh my God, you know, and we all like, you know, hit the bong and I have like a little tiny cute bong that like I sometimes smoke out of, which is great. Um, but it's like very elegant. It's a cobalt blue, really nice. <laughs> but we like hit this college bong, and like I mean, it rendered this group of ten people like completely speechless for an entire night, you know. And I was like, man, we used to smoke out of bongs all the time. That was horrible, <laughs> you know. Like that would be impossible. It would be impossible to do now. I think it's like I, I feel like I smoke now when it's like it's the equivalent of like having a glass of wine, like yeah. one glass of wine. Yeah, <laughs> not I, even two. <laughs> I think that it's. Um... That's how I think of about it also. And the part that's a little weird is when people smoke one glass of wine, like as a society, we kind of have like a whole way of processing and understanding that. And like if you're at a dinner party and people want to like drink wine, it's like accepted. It feels a bit like the Wild West to be like normal adult stoners nowadays. 
I don't know. But don't I'm, you have a lot of friends that are normal adult stoners? Yeah, but I feel like I'm a little bit the exception of the rule because I like host a show right, on the right, topic. Right. And honestly, right. I mean, and I, right. it's, and honestly, it's I, like, of course I, I do don't. too. I also, and, I, and I also, I don't really have, like, I think a lot of times I feel like people in that situation, like come to me yeah. with like questions and that kind of stuff because they're kind of not exactly sure how That's you navigate true. I mean, that I kind have of walked a couple of like friends and like former co-workers through like how do I start smoking weed as an adult? Yeah. Because like for me, I, I think it was also like towards the end of college, I was like, oh, I'll drink less if I have, if I like smoke a joint while yes. I'm out. Like I won't be pounding beers like was my won't in college. You know, and I still think I drink a little less. Um, You know, like I, I sort of, I mean, and I really like to, and I would like talk about it all the time at Gawker, you know, like I was like, I was really stressed about this. But then I like smoked a bowl and took my dog out for an hour, which is something that always calms me down. You know, I smoke weed and listen to a full album in the shower, like, like no fail. Wow, that's a long shower. Yeah. Well, not a whole, not a full album, I guess. But I listen to full halves. So, like, do like a really indulgent. Do a side, like, the A yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it always calms me down. And, and I feel like that really can't be undervalued, you know, like I... Like even work wise, like if I'm if I'm gonna go at things calmly, like it really helps to smoke. And so I have like kind of in, inducted people, you know, be like, I'll get you weed if you want, you know. Yeah, well, I think it's like <laughs> I don't think weed is profound per se. Yeah. But I think the choice of spending, let's say, you know, based on my early years in New York, two or three nights a week, like going out and drinking versus spending two or three nights a week oh, at home smoking, smoking weed. weed. Yeah. That actually is a profound, like if you project that over a decade, you're like creating a completely yeah, different person. For sure. You have like, and, and you're different. Like yeah. your consciousness yeah. will be different if you embrace that over a, a significant period, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So what do you say? Like, um, you know, the uh, editorial assistant or someone says like, hey, you know, hey, I, I, hey, gee, I notice, uh, notice that you're I know, people tweeting ask about really the weed. shyly too, you know, yeah. and like about. And then you're out, you're like really out. Like some people I ask <laughs> on the really show out. and they're outing themselves by I coming know, on the show. But you. Bad. Well, I'm like, sort of waiting. Well, you know, the Times like social media guidelines, like I'm sort of, I'm like waiting, wait, I'm waiting for You're getting for that. it out before oh, like someone tells you not to. to yeah, I'm also kind of implicitly making a case. Like I think that, um, you know, people are present to varying degrees in their writing. I think I'm very present in mine. Like, I yeah. think my personality is present. And my personality is that of, like, kind of a stone. You know, like, I, like. What does that mean to you that your personality is like that? I don't know. I just think it, I just think, I mean, I, I'm very comfortable writing in the first person. I'm happy to insert myself into an argument to tactically strengthen a point. Yeah. Um funny things happen to me. Like, you know, I, I reviewed, like, you know, I wrote a piece about the Beauty and the Beast uh, remake and, like, the best thing in the world happened to me. Like, I was super high, you know, got went to see, like, a 1 p.m. matinee, matinee at Elmo Drafthouse. Like, you know, got in the front, the awesome front row where you can lean the seat all the way back. The only other person in the theater was this woman, one seat over from me. Um, and so I was, like, you know, chilling, just truly having a great time because I, I almost never get, uh, I don't write about movies that much. Like, that to, to be able to get high and go see a movie in the middle of the day for work like seems like the greatest privilege you know just feeling lucky and blessed and happy and this lady uh you know like like she leans over in the like when they're like ascending the staircase 
And she like whispers to me, and she'd already asked me if I would split popcorn with her, and I was like, "Yes, my best friend." And Wait, a, a stranger? Yeah, at the movie theater? but I thought it was really sweet because I was really high and like feeling really happy. I was like, "Oh my god, you know, wow, like let's let down our you defenses." Guys, like, were you guys passing it, or did we, you we split were, it into we, we two put it in containers? The, we put it in the seat between us, and we wow. we like lady, you know, kind of like it was, men could never do that with each other. And I think you kind of should. Like, I think I felt, the I think that the like the uh, the bubble of masculinity, like that's know, the best it, illustration. Isn't of that it. a pity? You could. Never ever share a popcorn with I didn't, another that, man that's in a so movie silly. theater. Like I and I was so grateful. Well, I was thinking all these thoughts, you know, yeah. in the middle of the day and whatever. And so this and this woman, she leans over in the like when they're ascending the staircase or tail as old as time, and she goes, What's his dick like? And I died. <laughs> I mean, I died. Like I had to go to the bathroom. Who was this woman? I don't know. I regret not getting her number. Like the whole end of the movie, I was like, should I get her number? Because yeah. maybe she's like me and has a weird work schedule and wants to go see movies. Yeah. Then I was like, I have no no more time for new friends, you know, but I really regret it because she really gave me the one of the best moments of my year. And anyway, like I put that in the piece, right? Like yeah. I like I just feel like and part of it is coming up through blogs where you kind of and the hairpin was like pretty personality driven and it was so informal and Gawker was, too. So, yeah, I have I have feared that. Like, I know that I am probably the most unprofessional New Yorker employee on social media by a long shot, even though, like, I'm sure there are, like, other stoners there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but those are also people from a different generation. Like, yeah. I think right. that... Right, I'm one of the youngest people they to have. To say so. that you've... So, like, I knew to ask you on this show, because I had seen that you had talked about weed before yeah. in your articles and your time, tweets yeah. or whatever. Um, to someone of a different generation, that would be, like, a more radically transgressive Right, act. right, right. Right. So, I oh, this is what I was saying. Like, I think that... Um, the the time the time in which I learned to be a writer and this platforms on which like like the hairpin gawker et cetera, yep. they have been conducive to something that I think would have come naturally to me anyway, which is just to be pretty present in my writing. Yeah. Um, and to be like, and one thing I appreciated about Gawker and that I appreciate about what the New Yorker is letting me do is I don't have to pretend to be objective about anything like they are allowing me to do the kind of writing where I can make an argument but show my cards yeah. which is very important to me because it's like I want to argue very forcefully about whatever I believe but I want to be very clear that it's it's like one person's opinion you know which is part, part of why I'm like so completely nonplussed when someone thinks I'm like completely wrong or bad you know it's like that's fine you know right I just like to be able to show my cards I like to be able to show why I think you know and show in various ways why this opinion has been generated um and part of that and and if that involves showing myself and my personality like I think I'm sort of I mean I'm not trying to push the envelope I'm not trying to test my limits but I sort of feel like I want it to be possible that I can just be myself without thinking about it um like no one which includes like just whatever shows up in my writing on social media whatever like I'm trying to not think about it and just be as like write down whatever is the whim in my head at any point, which is whether it's on Twitter or in a piece and have that be okay and not have to hide any part of myself. I don't know. I would also argue that like having a person who is like, you know, like trying to have fun on social media when the fun is like increasingly like evanescent is worthwhile for them as an organization to have somebody on staff that like is trying to swim in these awful shark infested waters, you know, and like try to have a good time. 
but I don't know. Do you think that those sorts of pressures, like I often only notice something because it like overlaps with something that I care about. So I see this through the lens of weed. You could probably see it through a lot of lenses, but do you think there's an increasing pressure on women to not be themselves or not be out in that kind of way? Like, do you think being out as a stoner is different for a woman um, of your generation? I actually don't think it is. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are people that think it is, yep. but again, like that's beyond my purview, you know? Right. Um, I think that maybe it would, like maybe to somebody older, but I don't. I don't think to people. I don't think to people that are like young. Where do you buy weed? Um, don't you don't have to be too specific. No, no, no. I mean, you know, the incredibly convenient deli- delivery yeah. service. Well, the little like, guy. Like I have been using the first number I got as soon as I moved here, and like never like. Oh wow! So no comparison yeah. shopping. No, and I probably should because like a couple of okay, like. Um, I finished like a thing of weed. Like I go through weed pretty slowly, which is another, um, I'll go through like a big, like one of those like hundred dollar containers. It'll take me months to get through it. Even though like, really? Yeah. Like I smoke, Are you smoking like a, like weird, like thimble full of weed? Each I, smoke, time? I have a little bowl and I guess I really don't smoke that much anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, I smoke often, but it's never a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think I always like, I've remained like, I have a pretty, like any of my, drug usage has been like defined by like I'm like sensitive to drugs and like always have like a pretty hard stopping limit yeah like I I like them but stop you know um and towards the end of it I was like man this weed is haunted (laughs) (laughs) and like I just had this feeling I was like this weed feels haunted yeah and but I had to finish it because you don't want to be wasteful does your does your person give you like options? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Up? They have a bunch of choices. Did you did you go to get the haunted weed again? No, I did not? get the haunted weed again. Yeah, I, and I also forgot. I mean, the best. I lived in Michigan. They had medical, which was amazing because it's a very strict medical program. You can only have like ten conditions to qualify, and you can't like do the thing, and you can't do like the California thing where you're like, yeah, and so know, yeah, I'm yeah yeah I'm I'm stressed, you know, <laughs> like, and I had had active tuberculosis after Peace Corps. Um, oh, wow. Which is extremely rare in the West. <laughs> it's like hitting a hitting a hitting a slot machine. I know it was active o- tuberculosis. Active tuberculosis. I was put in quarantine. Like it was awful, and I was so. But then in Michigan, I was like, "Thank you. This is divine. You know, like this is the this is the upshot. You know, yeah. like, I can get this weed license." And so there were dispensaries, and they were great, and they were great, and I loved it. And actually, I mean, I probably should find someone else because I feel like. Like if I lived in California or in Colorado, like I would vape, but I hate the weed oil that's in New York. Like I, I feel like it tastes like chemicals, and so I never don't use it. I just like smoke out of my little pipe. But um, so if you were in California, do you think you would get into the like connoisseur world? No, I think it's like it tur- kind of like aesthetically. I mean, that's why I think it's hard to write a good piece, an interesting piece about like weed entrepreneurs. Yes, because you know, I mean, it's it's so geeky. It's like. It's sort of, okay, what does it remind me of? It's sort of like open marriage talk. Like it's so, like it, it has this like veneer of edge, but no actual edge at all. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> well, that was one of the most ice cold things I've heard someone say about it. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and, and it's hard. I mean, I actually do think the weed, the women weed angle is interesting because it's like, I mean, I've been writing an article. I mean, I've been writing an essay for myself about the like the scheduling of ecstasy as a, as a a schedule one drug there was like this 10 year period where it was like used therapeutically and sure. whatever and I think that the interesting angle for the women thing is 
you know, weed was sort of like an end of life palliative um, and like a non addictive painkiller. Like women are going to be white women in particular are going to be the ones that could force that force that legally. And I think that's really interesting. And I wish that like that is like with the opioid ed- epidemic, like something that is en- endlessly interesting to me. But the whole like, wow, she's a lady and she wears like she looks put together, but she smokes weed. You know, yes. like it's um, I. Yeah, it's hard to make interesting. I, I don't think I would get really into it, but I do think I would smoke better weed. All right. At the end of the show, I like to ask everyone the same questions. You good? Oh, yeah. You game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this segment is called Peak Experiences. First question is, uh, what is your favorite way to enjoy weed? Like ideal night, nothing to do in your own space. What's your ritual? I would say like, you know, a friend like me swimming up to a friend in the pool who's like handing me, like putting a joint in my mouth on the side yeah. on a starry summer night. That's my ideal setting. Um, what are your, like, what are your tastes and joints? Do you like a- I'm like really a, bad at rolling joints. Really? Yeah. Um, have, have you tried to improve or- Yeah, you... I used to be good at it. And then in Peace Corps, when I smoked out of a Coke can for it, was- oh, I didn't season. even ask, what's the Kyrgyz weed <sighs> scene like? Well, I didn't smoke for like four months because I couldn't get it. So actually we marijuana grows wild, but it's not, psychoactive yeah it's so like it's like you're it's very like, diffuse yeah yeah yeah. well it was literally not i mean it was a kind of plant so you know you were like the drowning person like in the ocean you can't drink any like all this water nothing to drink but um kyrgyzstan is on the like drug trade between europe and afghanistan but from afghanistan to europe so eventually i got some hash I smoked it off a coke can. Where did you get? How did you get some hash in Kyrgyzstan? One of my friends who lived in a bigger city got a connection through like a local friend of his. Yeah, and he would. Um, and it was like the happiest day of my life, and he was like, "Gee, I got weed." <laughs> what? Um, what do you think of hash? I hate it. Really? I hate it. I love it. I mean, I'm sure whatever I was getting, I was also smoking off a coke can. Like it was like really dark. You couldn't like roll it up with some tobacco or no. anything. No, no, no. This was like not. I mean, this was, this was just. There was no better option than smoking hash off a of cocaine. It was like literally what we all did. It was the worst. Like, I don't, and I think it's maybe too like sludgy for me. It's like too sludgy of a feel for me. I mean, maybe I just never got any good kind. I think you kind of have to secretly like cigarettes, but not allow right. yourself to smoke cigarettes. Right. And then <laughs> you're getting I, like yeah. a like, getting like a two for one, yeah. uh, like forbidden pleasures yeah, kind yeah. of vibe. Um, okay. Second question What's a place that's special to you somewhere in the world? Well, my first thought is the Glacier Lagoon in Iceland. <laughs> There's this lagoon that's full of glaciers. And when I went there, I start, I screamed for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you go in the water? No, you can't. Okay. But it Very was cold. Just, yeah. It was the best place I've ever been in my life. Like I, I got there and my immediate thought was like, I'd love to die here. It's <laughs> I have a fantasy of dying on the moon. And, I, and when I was there, it really, really flared to life. This dream of mine. Yeah. So is the fantasy that you're gonna die on the moon, or that after your death, your body no, will be get evacuated? No, they'll die on the moon. Oh, well, yeah. wow. It How, sounds really good. I feel like I'd be a little <laughs> worried that I'd like time it wrong, and then I'd be like, oh, now I've got two more years. Of I being, know. Like, well, old and but then you could just like the do moon. the thing that they did in that Magic School Bus episode, where they take off their helmet and like your head freezes. Oh, okay. So it's it's like a it's a suicide mission. To yeah, it's the a suicide moon. mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll okay. go. I'll go okay. anytime. Um, can you recommend a snack? 
You know, so I used to I used to like be a real like like I said, I gained 25 pounds my first year of college. I used to like really be a munchy person. Yeah. Um, How did you beat the munchies? They just stopped happening. Can you teach me how to make them stop happening? I mean, thank God, because I am not good at like regulating my like I have no I have no conscious self-control. But luckily, I have a lot of like built in physical limits. Yeah. Thank God, because I do not have very much self-control. Like I just have good instincts. My munchies are not like I don't like eat a whole bag of Cheetos. Mm. I will just eat like a bag of raw ingredients. Like I would just eat oats. Oats? Like sometimes, a horse? Yeah, like like like, a horse. like uncooked oatmeal. That's crazy. Sometimes. That's so weird. Maybe you have pica. You know What's what pica, pica is? It's like, well, look it up. It's like this <laughs> thing that makes people eat weird shit. And I, and so you just stop. One day, just no more munchies. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, it, it stopped. Well, so I, I'm like of the school of like, eat as much as you want and whatever you want as long as you make it yourself. And so I really like to get high. Like, so sometimes on like a Sunday afternoon, like if I truly like work is good and I like don't have to do anything, like I'll get really high and like make a shit ton of food, you know, just like elaborate things like baked goods, you know, just. And so like and I really find it extremely soothing to like make a lot of food while high. So You're living my like the life that I fantasize about while I'm eating the raw oats. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should make like you should make oatmeal cookies. I don't have that kind oats. of patience. Either. But it takes but it's but, so much better. It feels so good. Like I don't even have the patience to like heat up pre pre-made That's food. Wild. I will just eat like ice cold food. When I'm high at times. I, I think, yeah. So my, my recommendation is the most indulgent thing that you can possibly stand to make yourself. Okay. Yeah. But what snack do you recommend? Well, my friend Dana Evans had a bake sale for um, like Puerto Rico relief. And I got high and made an applesauce cake with like cream cheese frosting. And I kept some of it and ate it the next day. And it was really good. So let's say make a cake. Okay. Make Snack a cake. On make some a casual applesauce cake. cake. More people don't make like casual cakes is a category of food that I feel like people don't make often enough. Like you can have them for breakfast with coffee. Are you like a generally like a, where are you on the cake pie axis? I'm oh very far cake and I'm I'm also I'm like eighty five percent savory, um and like ninety five percent cake once we're in the sweets. Wow. I only like pecan pie. We couldn't be more different. Really? Where are you on the sativa, the sativa versus indica um, access, or do you even so subscribe to such I, things? I definitely subscribe. I used to be all sativa, um, but after the Weinstein piece, so God, I was like in the middle of doing all of this like stuff. I went to the gynecologist, and it was like two on the nose. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was just like, <laughs> and, and and like you know, she's, she's like, like, what are you been up? What are yeah, you working yeah, she's on? Like, she's like, you know, like she's like, here's the speculum. Your blood pressure is pretty high, and I was like, yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> and she was like, wow, your blood pressure is really high. And I was like, huh. And I have been trying to. I only have two cups of coffee a day, but I've been trying to to drop to one. And I've been trying to go to indica over sativa. I've been trying mm-hmm. to like have no. That's a big swing. Yeah, it's a big swing, but I think it's pretty. I think it's good. Yeah. So when you made that shit, like when you swing from like sativa to indica, could you just like tell the first time? Like, yeah, wow, super this is totally different. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can tell. I can tell strains too. I mean, like I, if I have multiple kinds, I yeah. can always tell which bag I'm smoking, like which I like grabbed and used. Do you have any like predictions about like national legalization or anything? Do you follow that as a story? Um. This is interesting. So I recently made it. This is off topic, but you know, whatever. I'm sure this happens a lot. There's no on. Um, there's no topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made a bet recently. What do you think will happen first? Um, people, a person landing on Mars, or the eradication of daylight savings time? 
people on Mars. I do too. So I made a bet. So two of my friends and like four of us made a bet and it's $50 a year till one of these things happen. Oh, yeah, okay. And we have to pay into it. And so I've been getting a lot. I've been Why getting did, How did we how did the, those two get picked? I, we were as the high. Two outcomes? <laughs> they're like not they don't feel like they're like weighted the same amount on the scale. Well, right, but but we made the bet cuz we disagreed 50-50, so we were like, "Okay, let's make this bet." Was there like a strong anti-daylight savings voice in the I think the, we were I think it was like the day after daylight savings time we were like, "This is bullshit." You yeah. Know? Um I forget how we yeah, but so for some reason, my friends, just we just bet on this. And so I've been into like long bets recently. I think we'll have national legalization within 20 years, I think. What do you think? I think five. You think five? Yeah, I think so. Really? I, I think that the, the on some some form of like almost everywhere has it. Maybe I think, not like, that. I think decriminalization, right? Yeah, okay. A lot of the stuff depends. Like I was just doing some research and it was like 90% of the work America has access to medical, some form of medical marijuana now. And it's like, you're counting these states where there's like a program that has like 25 people. Yeah, on yeah. It, you know? So it's like, really small. there's like, there's all sorts of like different grades. But I, I think that in five to 10 years, it will be like, in any state, there's like a pretty easy pathway. I would have said five to 10 before, but I think that the next president we get, the next liberal president, will be so busy undoing a lot of this damage, just yes. getting back to zero, that we're not going to get progressive gains unless someone comes in that's like a true progressive, which I still don't think is that likely. So I think it'll take till you get an actually progressive president to get it. But You mentioned the uh, tuberculosis earlier. Yeah. Do you, like, does medicine have anything to do with your marijuana practice or are you purely recreational? I do absolutely think that I wouldn't smoke, have smoked so often, so regularly for the last, you know, 10, 12 years if it wasn't some sort of therapeutic quantity for me. Like, I think I am a very calm person and I want to be calm. And I think that weed is a way of, like, I'm sure that weed, I think weed takes a, a bad subconscious anxiety and turns it into excitement and keeps me like physically calm, I think. I think that like of people who've been on the show, I would say at least half have identified ang- like some anxiety, anxiety element. Yeah. But it gets weird because it's like, if that's true, like most people around our age in America have anxiety issues. Well, and I'm like, well, do. I sort of do believe that. Oh, actually. Yeah, and most I people, and like, it seems like a ton of people have anxiety issues and a ton of people smoke weed. Well, right. So, I mean, this is, sorry, like back to the capitalism thing, but like, but anxiety is a productive mental health problem for capitalism because it makes people never be able to switch themselves off, which is what's required of you in advanced capitalism. Yeah. And so these things are mutually reinforcing and weed is one way of mitigating it. Like I I truly believe that I was reviewing Malcolm Harris's book about millennial leftism. And he argues that, you know, like the personality traits induced by capitalism are like capital markets. They're manic and they're depressed, you know, like it, it, it is healthy for the, the organism for us to be on edge, checking our phones all the time, which reinforces the anxiety, et cetera. Um, I do think everyone's way too anxious. I mean, that's why the bullshit like wellness industry exists, you know, and like weed's the good version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you recommend a stoned viewing experience, movie or TV? Hmm. Well, back to the space thing. I saw Gravity in 3D when I was really high. Um, and that was like really, I mean, because I, I have this space thing. Yeah. But I would say. Um, she almost died on the moon. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Drop Dead Gorgeous. Love that movie. Yeah. It's the best movie. 
That's your stone viewing pick. Yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah okay. for I sure. like it. I love like the mockumentary, like, you know, like the Christopher Guest movies, like the Lonely yeah. Island shit, like Popstar was so good stoned. Like, like the mockumentary is like, yeah, there are some movies that I wouldn't not watch stone, like Popstar. I mean, I have extremely obvious taste in a lot of things, which is like full, I mean, full admission. Like I thought like American Vandal. I haven't okay. seen. I haven't seen American. It's Vandal. so good. I like, watched the whole thing. Stone. Like, yeah. Wrote about it. Got dicks in the headline. It was great. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you're the first. Time, you were the first New Yorker headline to get uh, dicks. I in can't the be the first, or maybe I'm the first. I don't. Who else? Who I've else? been trying little things. I've been trying to see what they'll let me slip by. The coffee does. <laughs> Tell me about something that you are still looking forward to in life. It has to be somewhere between um, now and when you die on the moon. Um, I decided that like the one frivolous thing I'm gonna use part of my book advance on is to like go on like a three day cruise around the tip of South America. So I can just like look at the, it'll, it's kind of a moon thing. Like all my things are moon things. Yeah, it's the moon on earth. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really excited to get to see penguins and like hike on a glacier. Is it premature to ask you what your book's gonna be about? It's an essay collection about self-delusion Fair game to you. Uh, well, thank you very much, Dia. Thanks for having me. Oh, it feels so good to be back here for the second season of Stoner. Thank you for listening. You can always get in touch. Hi at stoner.co. Also, all the old episodes from last season are at stoner.co. Maybe you want to check those out. This episode was edited by Justine Dom. She's our new editor, and she's also helping to produce the show. Uh, the theme song is a cover of Ted Lucas uh, by my friend Francis Starlight. He was on the show in the first season. And all of our visual branding is done by my friend Mickey Duje. We will be back with new episodes as soon as we can get them out. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends. See you soon.